Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, 1 through 12, called How Far Gone is the Night? Isaiah is carrying a burden. He knows that there's something coming. It's a harsh, verse 2, which means distressing or dire vision that has been shown to me. The treacherous one, look at verse 2, chapter 21. The treacherous one still deals treacherously. The destroyer still destroys. Go up Elam, lay siege media. I have made an end of all the groaning that she has caused. Babylon has been a source of pain for people. She has offered her wares. She has brought in false religion and false hope. That's what Babylonianism ultimately does. It makes you look to the wrong thing. It makes you believe that you can live life and you can be okay and you can be successful without God. It is putting God out of the equation. It's saying, I don't need you, Lord. I can do it on my own. And, and what's the original lie in the garden? Well, actually, I'm God. Uh, I'm a God, right? Uh, one day, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and take my place up in the cosmos, and, and I'm going I'm to populate my own planet. The, these, are, these are modern religious beliefs today that people have. In the New Age movement, in Scientology, you basically become your own God, And as far as I know, that's the oldest lie in the book. Is it not, people? Didn't Satan say, the day that you eat the fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be as gods? I mean, all you got to do is just read the first few chapters of Genesis to know that that's the lie from the serpent. And so for this reason, says Isaiah, my loins, notice the prophet now, are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. I am so bewildered, I cannot hear, and so terrified, I cannot see. Look at verse 4. My mind reels, horror overwhelms me. The twilight I longed for has been turned for me into trembling. I take that as Isaiah may have thought that judgment on people groups that don't know God and maybe are in total rebellion to God seems like a good idea. It seems like a righteous thing, and it is righteous because whatever God does is righteous. But when it actually happens, when judgment actually sweeps through a land, Isaiah says, it is a bitter pill. The message that I have to proclaim to the peoples that are outside of Jerusalem, to the peoples that are affected by the judgment of Almighty God, it is not pretty. Look at the description. And this is a prophet of the Lord carrying his message. He says, my loins are full of anguish. Pains have seized me. And the best way he can describe it is like the pains of a woman in labor. Now, I am not an authority on labor. (laughs) Nor will I even try to comment on such things. But I've just said, and I'll say this again, I'm glad I'm a guy. Because I don't think that I'd want to go through that. But you ladies, you know, God has given you that ability 
to be able to deal with that. But it is incredibly painful. Labor pains, as a matter of fact, are what Jesus used to describe the intensity and the increasing intensity of what? The last days. That those labor pains will intensify. And Isaiah, remember, he has near far images that he's given to us. And Babylon is a type of the world system to come in the last days. And when judgment is coming, though it is deserved by a rebellious world, a world that has served Babylon instead of Bethel, the house of God, yet it is not the Lord's delight. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He says in Ezekiel, why will you die? Just turn to me and be saved. And when Isaiah uh, sees the reality of the judgment pictured here by the invading armies and so forth, his mind reels, horror overwhelms him. And what he longed for has been turned into trembling. If you... uh, have uh, NIV, it says, my heart falters, fear makes me tremble, the twilight I long for has become a horror to me. It's just like, you know, imagine a nation that uh, realizes it has to go to war, and you have a young soldier, and he's all fired up to go and fight. But then when he gets over there, and he realizes that human beings are fighting other human beings, and when someone dies, that's the death of a human being, there's no... There's no way to sanitize that. There's no way to make it pretty. It's, it's, it's just not. And since God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his delight is that everyone would be saved, that all would come to repentance. And so the prophet, I think, pictures God well. He pictures uh, something that is really horrific, In Jeremiah 13, 15, and 16, it says, Listen and give heed. Do not be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God. This is Jeremiah 13, 16. Before he brings darkness, and before you feel your feet stumble on the dusky mountains. And while you are hoping for light, he makes it into deep darkness and turns it into gloom. Sometimes it's easy for us to just walk about and think that everything's going to be cool, and then something happens. Something like an earthquake or some sort of disaster, but how quickly we forget. And even the mockers who come in the last days with their mocking will say, all things continue just as they were from the beginning. And uh, Peter says, uh, to use a loose paraphrase, they're dumb on purpose. It seems to escape their notice that there was a flood, you know, and there was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God has intervened in history. He has tried to get his message across to people. So what do the people do when uh, the times, the twilight is, has come and the gloom is here? Well, notice verse 5. They set the table. They spread out the cloth. They eat. They drink. They kick back. Jesus said that in the last days when uh, he's about to come, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. What were they doing? They were eating. They were drinking. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And what was Noah doing for probably 120 years? The rain's coming. Rain's coming. It's probably never rained before. What are you talking about, man? What are you building a boat in the middle of the desert, right? Rain's coming. He was a preacher of righteousness. It will be just like 
the days of Lot. So they set the table, they spread out the cloth, they eat, they drink, and they say, rise up, captains, and oil the shields. Now when you study this and you look at some of the backdrop of Babylon, you realize that there's a picture that emerges, and it emerges from Daniel chapter 5. So let's turn over to Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Go to chapter 5. Daniel 5. Belshazzar, the king, held a great feast, Daniel 5.1, for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, Daniel 5.2, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, in order that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. And then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the kings and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised who? The gods of gold and silver and of bronze and iron and wood and stone. And suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged. I don't know what that would look like, but I don't know what you've seen if any of you spent some time in party days. (laughs) But the emerging of a man's hand, starting to write on a plaster wall with nothing else apparently attached to it, would be rather frightening. And I think it would sober you up rather quickly. (laughs) It began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. And I want you to see the king. Then the king's face grew pale. His thoughts alarmed him. His hip joints went slack. And his knees began knocking together. All of a sudden, when the party starts and they start praising the gods of silver and gold using the vessels that were taken from the holy temple, God shows up and says in uh, the language, what is it? Many, many, tekel you parson. You have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. Tonight, your kingdom will be taken from you. And there were armies outside ready to take them down. And what were they doing? They were partying. We're going to party like it's 19. Oh, we can't sing that anymore. It's not 1999, right? It's cool. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. Tomorrow we die. So what does the world do? What is the solution when there's impending judgment? Well, you set the table. You drink a little. Go back to Isaiah 21. You oil the shields, which is, okay, I guess we got to get ready for war because we're under attack. Isaiah 21.6, for thus says... For for thus the Lord says to me, go station the lookout. Let him report what he sees. Now the Lord is speaking here to Isaiah. And he says, go station a lookout. Go put somebody on the watchtower. And when he goes out there with these conditions painted before us, let him tell us what he sees. Let him look off into the distance. What does he see? And he sees, verse 7, Isaiah 21, riders. He sees horsemen in pairs, a train of donkeys, and these would often be used in war by Persian armies, a train of camels, let them pay close attention, very close attention. And then the lookout called, literally it could be translated, the lion called, O Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower. 
and I am stationed every night at my guard post. A watchtower, uh, a watchman, a lookout is put in place, and he's supposed to just report what he sees. And what does he see? He sees the armies coming. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. When he goes out there with these conditions painted before us, let him tell us what he sees. Let him look off into the distance. What does he see? And he sees, verse 7, Isaiah 21, riders. He sees horsemen in pairs, a train of donkeys. And these would often be used in war by Persian armies. A train of camels. Let him pay close attention. Very close attention. And then the lookout called. Literally, it could be translated, the lion called, O Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower, and I am stationed every night at my guard post. A watchtower, uh, a watchman, a lookout is put in place, and he's supposed to just report what he sees. And what does he see? He sees the armies coming. And uh, these remind us of battle scenes in some of the great movies when, you know, it's time to take a gulp and decide what you're going to do. And for me, at least recently, it's the Lord of the Rings movies. Great battle scenes in those movies. You know, when they're up and they're, they're at that last place where they're going to, you know, take a stand and here come these. And in the Lord of the Rings movies, just some gnarly looking armies, right? <laughs> you know, here they come. Imagine if you were up on that wall. Imagine if you were on the watchtower and you had to report what you see. Well, that's what's happening here. The watchman's work is not easy, but someone's got to be up on that wall. And notice the lookout calls. He says, oh, Lord. Notice how he addresses the Lord. I stand continually by day on the watchtower. I'm stationed every night at my guard post. I am faithful. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, Using similar language, he calls himself, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything was, that was profitable, teaching you publicly from house to house. He talks about his trials and tribulations. And then he says in Acts twenty twenty six, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of, remember, all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. I have been on the watchtower. I have made a declaration. I am innocent of the blood. Listen to the words. Of how many men? Of all men. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say anybody that I have some sort of relationship with, I have preached the gospel to, but I can't say that. I hope it's a majority of people. But the point is, Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men using the imagery of the watchtower in the book of Ezekiel where God says, if you see an invading army come in and you warn the people, you blow the trumpet blast and they don't get out of the city or oil the shields or defend themselves, then their blood is on their hands. But if you see the invading army and you turn tail and run and you don't 
sound the warning blast for war, guess what? Those people's blood is what? It's on your hands. That's the book of Acts, brothers and sisters. That's not Old Testament. That's the Apostle Paul making a declaration that his life was so much about the gospel. This is radical. That he could say, I am innocent of the blood of all men. You remember when they would preach to the Jews, and they would, they would say, okay, if you won't listen, we're going to the Gentiles, but we are free from this obligation, remember? They would say, you know what? We've told you guys. Now, if you won't do anything with it, that is your responsibility. Even Pilate, remember? When uh, the people were, he tried to set Jesus free over and over again, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. They said, crucify him. And Pilate publicly washed his hands, and he said, He is your responsibility. And remember the people? His blood be upon us and upon our children. Radical. So there's the the lookout. And he's going to report. And by the way, you and I are watchmen. Did you know that? You're a watchman. God has placed you on the wall. He's given you a certain amount of people that are in your sphere of influence. And what's your job? Your job is to tell them about the hope of Christ. Your job is to tell them how to be rescued from judgment. Your job is to tell them where there is refuge, where there is hope, where there is good news to be found. Because where are these people looking to? When the invading army comes and you don't know the Lord and you you can't seek his strength or his power, where do you go? Well, as we've seen in past studies, you try to make alliances with other nations. You're not sure that you can trust them and they might stab you in the back. You're not sure you can trust them. They might turn on you. You ever seen this happen in real life, in business, in other situations? You're not sure who you can trust. So people make alliances because what else can they do? They don't have the Lord. Well, as a watchman, we're to warn. And here's what he says. He says, behold, verse 9. Literally, he says, oh, look, here comes a troop of riders, horsemen in pairs. And one answered and said, notice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. And all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. What does the watchman say? He takes a look. And the people who are in the other nations are thinking, Babylon is probably one place that we can look to for safety because they're a pretty strong nation. But here comes Assyria. And if I try to make an alliance with Babylon or Egypt or other nations, the Philistines, what's the problem? The problem is Assyria is stronger than them too. And now Babylon has fallen. The very thing that you trusted in, the ziggurat, the tower has fallen. The gods of Babylon are shattered to the ground because their gods are no gods at all. So they call upon their gods. They pray to their gods. People say, yeah, I'm spiritual, I'm religious, but if your God is an idol, then all you're doing is wasting your time. It does you no good to have faith unless your faith is placed in something that can actually deliver you. People think that faith is the end all. Well, I have faith, I'm spiritual. Faith in what? If you don't put your faith in the right thing, your faith is actually useless. Do you understand that? It's not just about faith. It's faith in the right thing. Sometimes we, we say, I have faith in this person. That's good. 
And I hope that person will be proven to be faithful. (laughs) But what have we put our faith in? The living God. And how do we know that this living God can deliver us? Well, he's already done it once. I don't see see Buddha coming back from the dead. I don't see Zoroaster coming back from the dead. But I saw Jesus in history come back from the dead. Right? He's done it once. He's already paid for your redemption, and he says he's coming back for you again. But Babylon, the world system, the rebellion, we're going to do it our way, man's self-reliance, humanism, new age, whatever you want to call it, guess what? Babylon will fall. Go to Revelation. By the way, when John writes Revelation, you'll discover as you study the Old Testament that a lot of what you see in the new is quotations from the old. And this is indeed the case. Go to Revelation 18. That's the last book of the Bible. (laughs) I know you weren't wondering that. After these things, I saw another angel... Revelation 18.1, coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. He cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her, what? What's the word? Immorality. That Greek word is pornea. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. The merchants of the earth, which some see in here, the, the merchants, a picture of Tyre as well, which we'll study in the future. The merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensua- sensuality. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins and that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up, you remember the Tower of Babel? As high as heaven. You've been listening to How Far Gone is the Night, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, verses 1 through 12. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Free Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here's a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. So seriously, thank you. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it and then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner? Just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, sometimes you may hear something like the book of Isaiah on Christian radio and you're like, man, is this stuff that I really need? Yes, you need it all because all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for your Christian life. Now it's an, it's important to understand context and you know if you get a good study bible it's a great place to start. You may not need some huge library with commentaries on Isaiah. Some of you are like that and that's you're after my own heart if you are. 
However, for most of you, a, a good solid study Bible will help you with a lot of questions. And there's also life application study Bibles that can help you as well. But remember, as you go through uh, your Bible, you open up your Bible, you you follow along with a program like this. Well, the, the reason we teach is to give explanation and application. And I'm sure that's why many of you are listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we're excited that you're listening to the book of Isaiah with us as we move through each of these incredibly powerful chapters. And we'd love to encourage you in your walk with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need someone to talk to or pray with, we have pastors available Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 Pacific time at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Many of you have sent us emails over the years. We deeply appreciate encouragement. You've told us how the program has been a blessing to you, and we're so excited. We have thousands of people listening week in and week out, thousands of podcast listens, and a growing reach by the grace of God and the goodness of our Lord and, of course, our partners as well. If you'd like to consider being a partner of Walk in Truth, go to our website. You can find a lot more about the church behind the program and about the program itself when you go to walkintruth.com. Hey, one more thing. If you'd like to send us a prayer request by email or reach out to us in the ways that I described earlier, it's contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, verses 1 through 12, called, How Far Gone is the Night? I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.